they shouldn't call it the last time I've been up for days and my brain's fried, yeah Don't mistake me for a wise guy But if I brought the drugs and they're all mine, I can't believe what they've done to me, yeah She's on her knees and I'm kinda free, yeah It's three degrees, I can barely breathe, yeah It's getting real, yeah Or the only like good reward side is upside, but do you really want to be playing upside on a day where, yeah, there's so much craziness, just so much strength to the downside? Yeah, today was um, I mean, I took some spy puts early on stream, and I literally just wrote them. I mean, there was just no reason for me to sell, but uh. Yeah, I mean, I saw people yesterday saying that that was the bottom. Yeah, I saw people talking about swinging calls as the move, and I was like... That's a great idea. Idiots. I also saw some guy today was down like 60% on his calls that he'd tried to time the bottom today. Ducky? And yeah, I actually retweeted it and like was like, all right, beginners, like don't get any... like." thoughts in your head from this because he was down like 50 and like 60 percent on shit and was like averaging down and i was like dude what do you have that's telling you to keep averaging down he's posted that? something too like he lost like 500k lottoing netflix and i'm just like at this point it's probably not even legit are you trading like are you actually just trading or are you just like i yeah, i mean can't. man i don't know Dude, I feel like uh, there needs to be a conversation had about this new whole, like, Twitter shit. Like, what is this whole no using charts and just deciding to YOLO shit all the time? Like, what is this? Where did it come from? Why is it here? And how long is it going to be here? Because I'm excited for when it leaves. Isn't that that one? I know who you're talking about. Isn't he from, somebody said he was, like, from TikTok. So that would make total sense. Me. Yeah, that would it make would total sense. It would not surprise me. I just know, like, the amount of people I've seen in those comments that are like, this is the way, because they get, like, one big win is crazy. It's, like, probably half the comments are people talking, like, oh, man, I hit a big winner on Spy today, just bought calls that open and held them all day. Yep. And it's, like, I mean, nice, but you're going to do that tomorrow and lose all of it's that. It's like, yeah, you dude, you have a learn. 50... 50% chance to be right like you're acting like you just like solved a fucking puzzle you yeah, can you exactly. take you can take calls or puts that open I mean like come on bro <laughs> you just flipped a coin and we're right like the uh like the real 
I guess, success is like the people who can do that many times. But the way that they're trading isn't able to be done many times. You can't not look at a chart no. and be successful long term. Like, it's just not possible. No. Yeah, that'll, I mean, that's not going to last. It's it's like, it's literally going to the casino because, like, like I just said, you, I mean, there's a 50% chance you're right. Exactly. And that's all you're playing. Are you, are you uh, still kind of just like keeping your Twitter like really tight, like not following a bunch of people? I don't follow anybody. Bro. I don't I follow anybody. Twitter. There's nobody worth following. Oh, okay, dude. No, I. you know what I mean. I mean, I, I'm, like, I'm, I'm fucking with who I, I already mean, follow. I yeah, yeah, yeah. New followers, I got it. I mean, I'm sure there um, are. That that sounded arrogant. I'm sure there are a bunch of really good people, but, like, I don't know who they are. I like, keep getting people liking shit, and then it'll be those dork faces that I just want off of my off of my feed so I don't have to like engage with it but when everyone likes it it ends up popping up and I end up I just why I just like block I everyone I can't I won't should, see it honestly yeah that's... I should but I was playing League of Legends today um, I was another spin sword guy but uh, he was I'm... different this time another spin sword guy it wasn't it wasn't Gerald. Gerald. Garen, bro. Garen, fuck, dude. One day, you got you got to let me like play the game for a month, and then I'll know all the names. What's but this person look not like? Garen. What's he look like? I couldn't tell you. He has a big, big gold sword, and he, I was just dash spinning people. Is and, he? Uh, does he have like white hair? Does he look yeah. like a ghost? Not really. Mm, I don't remember. Viego. He have a crown. Uh, no, that doesn't sound. That doesn't sound right. A big gold sword? Is it like a human, or is it like? Yeah, he's a human. You're gonna have. You're gonna make me go. I'm on. I'm gonna pop up. What are his other abilities? Um, one of them is a passive, so it just is on all the time, and it like makes the other people, people on the other team, like stuck or something. Like they just can't move as fast or something like that. I'm probably saying that completely wrong, but. Well, everybody has a has a passive. <laughs> Bro, it was like my third fucking game. Uh, a big gold sword. Oh, now I have to look. A big gold sword, like in an A ram. Beast though. Yeah, yeah, it was an A ram. Timo's a beast. A big gold sword. What? I think it was Trident in a mirror. Trident. Oh, Trindamir, yeah, 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 Because he spins his sword. He's yeah, he spins and he can heal himself and he can go like invincible. That's his ult. Yeah, the ult was I would I would hit the ult and then I would just go through and spin people. Yep, and they just couldn't mess with me. But he, it says he hurls insults, reducing the other champion's attack damage. So he's just out here. I'm just talking shit to everybody, bro. Basically, I'm just like. Fuck you, little bitch. He, uh, you can't attack me. He's the most annoying person to play against in a normal game. Worse than Teemo? <sighs> Worse than Teemo, yeah, probably. Because he'll, like... It just, like... Rules don't matter to him. Like, he could go... Like, obviously, you know how, like, your tower can kill somebody or attack them if they get close? Yeah. He can dive you under the tower and just use his ult, and he's invincible for, like, six seconds. So... Say you're like low, he'll just do that, and it's like, bro, that just like 
okay, you can just do whatever. So I'm kind of uh, in this phase where whoever I play is like my favorite that day. Yeah. Like yesterday, I was obsessed with Teemo. I was like, dude, I'm gonna fucking play Teemo all the time. And today, it's it's a uh, Trendemir. Trendemir. He's a fucking beast. He plays a uh, top lane too. Where you play? Yeah, dude. We should play tonight. Yeah, I'm I'm good for whenever. We get the clam clam fam. The clam fam. Well, Clamthony has Clamthony has uh, COVID. Dude, he's paralyzed from COVID. He said he can't even get out of bed. Wow. He can't even use his fingers to play to clam it up with us. Well, I hope he's feeling better soon. I hope he's not too clammy. Yeah, not. Don't want his lungs to get clammed up. <laughs> Everyone's gonna be like, "What are you guys talking about?" No one knows about the. I just. What does he say? He's like, "I'm just a clam guy." I'm just a clam guy. Basically, only eat clams. That's all I do. <laughs> Breakfast, clams. Lunch, clams. It's like a five-year-old kid. Dude, he's he's kind of our legend. Oh yeah. We just we just talk about him all the time. I was seriously about to buy that uh, clam keychain yesterday. That would have been so fire. Dude, it's right by my house. I go back. I would have walked around with it sticking out of my pocket all the time. So it just would have been hanging like a chain, but it's a clam. You should have bought it, honestly. I'd be like, oh, what are you looking at? Is that the clam in my pants? <laughs> it would have been like... <laughs> you looking at my clam? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you checking out my clam? Yeah, bro, stop staring at my clam. Bro, it's weak. I'm wearing tight pants. Why are you checking out my clam? That's so funny. We should we should do some some quick technical analysis on some big names. Wait, um, is there a ticker? Is there a clam ticker? Clam. Oh, there's not. Let's see if there's a company that sell clams. Sells clams. Company that sells clams. Let's see if they're publicly traded. That's depressing. Okay. Oh shit. Highliner Foods. Highliner. I like that. Oh dude, HLF. HLF. They're they're big clam company. They're real clammy. And they're at fifty two week low. Should we swing oh, the clam? It might be time. I mean with, with Clam Kid and Clamthony and us clamming it up so hard. True. It might be time to go long on clam. Yeah. And, and also my League of Legends name, Ted Eats Clams. It's, it's like, you ever watch, uh, what's that movie? What's that movie uh, where there's the turtle club? You know what I'm talking about? There's like some old ass movie where it's a turtle club. This is the clam club. The CC. Turtle club. I'm turtle club. So I yeah. see the name. Turtle club. Oh, the Master of Disguise? Yeah, 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 that's it, that's it. Oh, shit, dude, he's got a big-ass fucking green sweater on. Yeah, dude, look at that motherfucker. (laughs) He ain't playing around, bro, what in the world? (laughs) Dude, what is he wearing? Like, the collar is up here. Yeah, dude, yeah, that's, uh... Oh, my gosh, he looks like Howie Mandel. Yeah, dude, he, like, on meth. What in the hell? Yeah, that's oh what it's goodness. from. The turtle club. He's like a teenage mutant ninja turtle without the steroids. Mm-hmm. Holy lord! All right, let's. What do you want to talk? You got any st- specific stock names you want to talk? Spy. 
Spy? All right, let's yeah. talk spy. I do want to talk you go spy. First. Okay, I'll go first. First thing I'm going to say is, like I just said, uh, the people calling Spy Bottom, like, once a week, just disregard them. And uh, honestly, probably unfollow them because they're providing nothing to you. Um, I really do see scenarios where we we see 360 and then like mm-hmm. 330. And I'm not just throwing those numbers out there. Um, I'm getting those based off standard dev levels and wave count. And But I genuinely do think if 400 doesn't hold... It's going to be a grind the rest of the year, probably down to like 360 or lower. So I I genuinely do think that's possible. Now, I'm not going to sit here and like guarantee that. The the best thing you could possibly do right now in this current market is just play it day to day. If you had any bias going into into today, which I guarantee you so many people did due to the day we had yesterday, like they had some long bias, you got screwed bad like smoked um especially if you like overnighted calls you got destroyed we had like a 20 point yeah we had like a 20 point move today on spy like so i really do see scenarios where we end up uh like 360 330 that's what i think i think uh 410 is the biggest level that spy needs to hold or it's the biggest level we've had for about three years four years on spy like this is if you go back and look at the the spy daily let me go to the weekly actually it's the biggest level since i think the market crash and all the levels that came after that like breaking new high after the crash was pretty crazy was really important and then confirming over that was really important but um yeah i really think that uh 410 if 410 doesn't hold um, I'm on the weekly and I'm looking at the 200 MA and that's 345 right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. It's it's 410 I think is more important than 400. I see a lot of people talking 400, which 400 will be important due to it being a psych level. Um, and the fact that if 410 breaks, it could wick to 400 and then, you know, come back up. But if 410 breaks and we confirm under it with, you know, a retest the next day and or just a, a candle close with high volume, that kind of thing then um, I think we're seeing sub 375. And that's pretty conservative, I would say. Sub 375, if the 410 and 400 break, um, I'm more inclined to say sub 350, but I'll say 375 just in case. Um, I was also this week, I was also on spy calls for a momentary bounce um, based on the daily chart. And that's going to be kind of important going forward because when spy bounces um these relief bounces there's a lot of money to be made but they're all based on uh like bollinger bands and volume it's all you know i'm not using rsi like a lot of traders use because i'm not a huge rsi fan um i'm using the bollinger bands and i'm using just like indications on hourly charts that volume is coming in on the buying side um so yeah, that's how I determined to like. I think it was when was that? I think I might have posted it Monday that we needed to bounce within the next few days, and we got one yesterday, which was from FOMC. Um, but those are really, really short-term things. I think long-term right now, 
spy uh this 410 i was dude i'll be honest on the stream i was literally having like a bit of a boner moment on monday when we were messing with 400 he kept bouncing off 400 and like i kept seeing the craziest bids flow through and it would just catch a bid and then it would get stuffed it was the i was honestly having like the best time of my life i was like i didn't want to leave i stayed like two hours extra just because i was watching it and everyone was like dude you're a fucking psycho like it's just a stock and i was like dude this is so exciting i don't care how you guys aren't watching spy like yeah. they were fighting crazy it was if it got under it they would swipe it up 20 cents and then you know the the bears would have like a bit of time to swipe it down or else it'd be up to 411 and then they'd get swiped down and it was just it wasn't like that most days like most days we don't see that kind of stuff so it was it was super exciting yeah that's the uh i don't know i mean also like with all the other shit going on like we haven't heard like the whole Russia situation has died out of the media for like the last month. Like, I think people forget about that too. Like, that's like a serious, serious thing that's going on. If yeah, like, yeah, like if something happens, like if some, you know, if something happens in regards to that, um, that's also another thing, another factor that can affect the market. So there's just so many different things. I agree. Um, side note here completely. Were you drinking a liquid death? Oh, yeah. Dude, have you tried the liquid death sparkling waters, like the flavored ones? Oh, they have flavored ones? Dude, I got it. I think it, it might only be like near there. I don't know where, but I got one. I got like three of them, three flavors of them in, in uh, California when I was out there. They were probably the best sparkling waters I've had. They were so good. One of them was mango. I think one of them was mixed berry. And so when I go out there, I'm going to like ship some back to me just like a fuckload because they were so I didn't even, good. I didn't even know they made the, yeah, I've never seen the flavored ones. I don't think they like distribute them worldwide or not worldwide, like nationwide. I think it's kind of like a West Coast thing. Yeah. But they Probably. were so good and the can is so aesthetic. It's like, I have to, I have to just buy yeah. myself. I'm, I wonder if I can order them online. You probably can. <laughs> I want to see what they look like. Flavored water. They were so fire, man. The green one is sick looking. Yeah, it is. Liquid death. I always thought this was coffee. I always thought it was alcohol. (laughs) Not going to lie. Yeah, so it's mango chainsaw. That one is gold, which is pretty dope and then it was bury it alive the berry one was was fire and then dude, they're only line. they're only 15 bucks for a 12 pack that's as much as like topo chicos are and these that's are tall a, boys too yeah that's not a bad deal at all actually if people know us they know us in our flavored water beverages oh yeah i got uh oh wait those uh those um high noons did you like them Oh, yeah, I'm actually going to pop one open. They were, dude, the kiwi one is off the fucking chain. And I don't like kiwi, dude. The kiwi one's like the best seltzer I've ever had, I think. I usually, like, when people got propels and stuff, I, like, scoff at the people who get the strawberry kiwi ones because I hate those. Um, But the kiwi of these, next level type shit. I also really, really like the peach. P- 
peach is, is good. This is like a really solid pack. It's yeah. guava, lime, peach, and kiwi. I would argue peach and kiwi are probably the two best flavors they got. Yeah, pineapple one's really good too. Yeah, I like the pineapple one. We should talk. Um, we're kind of going all over the place, but people people probably enjoy that. We should probably talk Tesla. We always talk Tesla, but Tesla's been pretty crazy lately. Um, I'll go first on this one. I've been waiting for Tesla to die for so long, and I think I think soon will be the actual death. We've had um, lower highs since November of 2021, and they're actually following a trend line now. Like they're they're lining up with each other. Um, it's below the 200 MA on the the daily and the market is not looking good so i honestly think tesla the the um longs on tesla are probably going to get overtaken here soon and if i had to say i would say we see 750 within two weeks um and then after 750 i think we see 500 and i've been i've been like i mean i don't want to say short biased on tesla for a while but um I think they're overvalued fundamentally pretty hardcore. And so I might be being a little biased here, but I think we see 500 maybe. Damn, that's a big, that's a big prediction though. 500, they would lose like nearly half their market cap and it would be half their market cap from like last week. Cause they were a thousand bucks last week. Um, yeah, I'm going to say 500 by end of year. 500 what are we at now 870 um i mean the chart the daily does not look good at all uh if we're looking at this i could see like i could easily see like 750 next week um oh yeah easily 750 by next week um 500 I, I mean that's that's a 500 you said end a year yeah i think we got six months to do it i can see like 550 like we have some 550 there's a lot of support there yeah i was gonna say we have some pretty good support at like 550 i don't know Maybe i'll, I'll revise to 500s 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 i agree with 500s yeah i mean honestly in this market who knows seriously like uh it i don't like if spy dies dies yeah i mean so i agree with that i i just don't like the daily at all um especially that candle today what was that a uh was that a holy crap hundred dollar daily candle it's like let me look at this 940 all the way to 870 so how much is that that's 70 dollars so that's like eight percent seven percent holy moly that's a big fucking candle yeah it's i i think looking good no, I agree. I think 500s are possible for sure. Absolutely. Especially especially if they break uh 750 and 700. Yeah. That's kind of the last line of defense before 5 500s. Yeah. 
Do you, do you, you don't trade Tesla at all, do you? Um, yeah, I do. I don't, I don't actually trade it like publicly. Like I don't alert it. I don't talk about when I trade Tesla, because uh, contracts are so expensive. I had a guy when I was, I talked about it like two times uh-huh. and it was his entire portfolio and I lost like 8% on the position. So he lost 8% on his portfolio. So I stopped doing that. Cause I was like, I, I don't feel comfortable alerting anything because like anything that's like, super expensive because people will size too high. Yeah. But no, I don't, trade I trade it. I traded, uh, probably like weekly, not, not daily. Like weekly, I'll see a Tesla setup that I like. Usually, honestly, usually I trade Tesla to the upside more than I do downside. Um, just because I've noticed Tesla, it'll move a lot right at open. And then usually it gets into this nice kind of, if you can catch it right, just this nice uptrend at certain times of day. Um, I've actually noticed, let me go back. I traded it a few days ago. Um, when did I trade it? May. Oh, no, this was back in April. So it got really, really jiggy um, right around earnings time. But the next day, it was May 2nd. Um, so it, it like shot up at open and then like consolidated to the downside a bit. And then I got in on one of those downside candles. And then it always just has like this like three or four candle boner period, like almost every day. And if yeah. you can catch it, um, I always make like a solid like 8% on the first one or two candles and then I just get out. And it actually happened the same the next day, but I didn't catch it. Like it it dropped it open um, and then there were three solid ass candles right after that. And that's usually what I trade every day or every few days, but I've missed it uh, the past few days. But I usually usually catch it once a week or so. Yeah. You've been trading AMD a lot. I've noticed that's kind of been your thing. Yeah, every day. Um, tra- traded it again today. Just basically AMD, Apple, Spa, Qs. I don't know. It's so, in my opinion, I shouldn't say easy, but it's... When we break like a key level to the downside in this market, it's relatively easy. I agree. Um, and that's those are the days where you can make serious money so i've been uh smacking the cues lately i've noticed the cues kind of will um it's like what if i uh, i'm trying to figure out a good way to put this into words i've noticed that the cues will react differently to spy like they'll like separate themselves yep and usually spy will follow a little bit afterwards but i've noticed that the cues i can like play things that i couldn't play on spy like on cues i'll play a bunch of tweezer bottoms when tweezer bottoms on spy have not been as successful lately which there's there's definitely some uh like reasoning behind why certain things work on qqq and that don't work on spy but the cues for some reason get really really strong with certain setups like like tweezer bottoms um they're really really good with like hammer candle reversals um when spy sometimes i've noticed just like fails through that kind of stuff like it'll tweezer bottom and then just immediately make a new low right afterwards the cues have just been really really nice to be lately with those so i've just been sticking to that and and yeah. following 100 percent there yeah I, I like trend cues too 
Um, AMD has just been so, it's just been, I mean, it's been in this downtrend for months and months and months and yeah. broke a hundred. And so Do you have any, uh, any information on IV crush, like just how to avoid it, how to skate around it. Cause I have some people in my discord who I asked like, what do you want me to ask ant today on the podcast? And, uh, people were wanting me to ask you about that. Yeah. It's funny. I just did a lesson on it, uh, this oh, last perfect. week. Um, yeah, with IV crush, essentially what happens is you have these inflated IVs that are inflated due to like, like obviously earning season is like the number one thing, but also like you'll see inflated IVs when VIX is high, when, when there's other like economic events going on and people expect volatility. So you'll see these inflated IVs, um, and what happens is is after these events they f- they have a like sharp drop which destroys the price of your premiums if you know if you're on the wrong side of those and um but to check if something something's implied volatility is too high you need to use iv rank and iv percentile IV rank and IV percentile will tell you um, at like, f- for instance, if you look at something's IV rank or IV percentile today, it will show you where the implied volatility is compared to the last year. So it'll say, so like IV percentile on something like, I was looking last week, it was like maybe Netflix. Out of the last year, 200 and some trading days that was the highest the ivy's been um and for iv rank the higher the number the more inflated that is so you need to because everything's implied volatility is different um yeah like there's things that hover around 80 like their iv is like 80 percent, but that's just normal for that specific stock it just depends um where whereas 80 percent will be extremely inflated for something else so you have to use something called iv rank and iv percentile um and also you have to be super careful around earnings like you could be right you could take calls and you could be right and iv crush will destroy you um and i'll see that a lot of people be like oh it's moving I, i bought calls and it's going up and i'm losing money well if you're buying something with such an inflated IV that's going to happen. So I've always told people like determine if the IV is extremely high, like how you were saying those, those ways to determine if it's high relatively to what it normally is. Yeah. And then at that point, create a plan. You either have to one, avoid the trade or two, get in and get the hell out. You also have to remember at times of market volatility, IV crushes are more likely. So, first hour and last hour you're likely to lose a lot more via you know iv bullshit than um like midday midday you can hold on to things a bit longer if you're like in something that's kind of moving crazy but when you're you're the market is is really really high volume you're likely to um have one of those moments where you get IV crushed and or get caught in something that that just doesn't go your way even if a stock goes your way because you just have to remember um you know bid ask on options does have an impact on all of these things so like 
volume. You know, there's these people out here that pump five cent contracts and make 100% in two minutes just because they, they bring on the volume. You have to remember that volume impacts. So if there's a bunch of sellers, like say you have, um, you know, puts on Netflix and Netflix goes down 10% overnight. I think it was like 30 on earnings, but 10%, say, let's just say it goes down 10%. And there's a whole bunch of sellers at open because they all have these puts that are up so much. You're going to make less money the longer you hold because more people are going to keep selling their contracts. Like I just usually sell at open or, you know, first five minutes when it comes to earnings plays, because I know that there's just going to continue to be more and 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 more sellers. Um, yeah. you just have to remember that like, even if you're in these, these cheap ass contracts, there's still a battle of bid and ask, like bid and ask still matters when it comes to, to options. Yeah. Yeah. Implied volatility can, can be a really good tool for you to determine if this is something that you can, you know, hold, or if it's something that it's like, all right, I might be in a little bit of danger here. Let's get out of this. That's why overnight lottos are so risky because you'll be buying into something that's like divey, super inflated. It'll open the next morning after that event occurred because earnings are happening in after hours and that IV is completely crushed. Like by the time you even get a chance to sell, you could be down 30% before you even get a chance. Volume leaves. Yeah. So yeah. it's crazy. I think, uh, I mean, Netflix, there was, I saw like half of Twitter hit really good, really good Netflix, uh, you know, earnings lottos. And since then, everyone's been trying to hold shit overnight for really big gainers. Yep. And um, it has not been the move. Yeah. It has not been good for these uh these people and especially the beginners who follow these people it's it's been really bad for i've seen a lot of a lot of people blow up their accounts on these earnings plays and stuff like that and it's really easy to it's honestly super easy to just like be like oh i think this is gonna happen and then like 100 percent believe what you're saying and what you're telling yourself and then get caught in an IV crush or just, you know, the, the play goes the opposite way and you just get absolutely screwed on. Thank you for, uh, for hopping on here. We're going to, we're going to start off with just, man, how's the, how's the week been? Good. Thank you guys for having me. I love your podcast. Love what you guys do. Love the energy you guys bring onto Twitter and to the FinTwit verse. It's, uh, it's a breath of fresh air versus some of the other energy I see there sometimes. So it's really good. And I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Uh, trading week has been nothing short of interesting, uh, being that it is FOMC week. So it's just, I've just been, Literally haven't had the guts to hold anything for longer than five minutes. So I'm just rapidly entering and exiting positions very quickly, as fast as I can. And that's kind of like where I'm finding my comfort in because I hate holding through unknowns. And I find myself, if I do that and break my own rule of doing that, I'll lose money. So I just stick to my rule of, okay, if there's an unknown coming, trade in and out quickly and don't hold anything through the unknown because whatever you expect, the opposite could happen and could ruin your day. What, uh, do you trade anything like, specific or like do you like to stick to the same couple stocks so i personally trade uh i'm i mainly stick to either apple or spy and i trade those on options whether it's calls or puts depending on the level breaks that's kind of what i really stick to but i do look for other stocks and setups that i really enjoy and i take those from time to time but when i'm in weeks like this with like fmc i'll just stick to the basics of apple and yeah. spy and then i just literally have both of them side by side and they both move so similarly and spy more this week than apple but the previous few weeks have just been a lot more apple than spy we all we kind of both also have our our stocks that we like to hang around and i have like a watch list where 
I like have like my top main stocks is Spy, QQQ, and Apple. Those are the three. And then I have like 10 other ones that I cruise through like maybe like twice or three times a day just to see if there's something, um, which includes like Facebook, AMD, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. yeah, it's mostly just like a few of them. If you can have a few of them and you can master a few of them, um, it's a real profitable strategy. Roblox is another one that I like to. Oh, I was gonna. I love time. Roblox. Yeah, we've been playing Roblox. Me and Tony both have been Roblox, playing a ton of yeah. Roblox. To the downside, mostly we've been. Of course, yeah. yeah. We've been hitting that baby. Yeah. Take out Roblox. Nancy Pelosi's call options with that one. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the craziest Old shit? Nancy. <laughs> oh, she's having a tough year. Exercising. Dude, there's a, yeah. There's a whole uh, group of people. I think is it Reddit or Twitter that think she's really, really attractive. Like there's like a, a group that's like Nancy's hot, and um, she like eighty five. I just find it to be the yeah, but like they they have these pictures where she has like this tiny V cut right here, and they're like, look at those boobs. And I just Jesus. found it to be the most disgusting corner of Twitter that I've ever stumbled upon. Oh man, to, to each their own. That's what I'd say to that one there. To each that's their own. interesting. Very interesting. I got out of there now. quick. Twenty twenty two can be twenty twenty two is getting weird. Yeah, it is getting yeah, strange. It is. For sure. What do you guys think of uh, the FOMC and the rate hike? Ryan, you can go first. Sure. Um, it was a lot of it was as expected. So I knew we would get fifty because essentially a few weeks before Jay Powell in that um that economics conference that he had mentioned that fifty, and I knew fifty would come in. And Bullard always comes in twenty five basis points hotter. So when he threw out seventy five, they gave me further confirmation that we'd come in at fifty. So that was there, and I knew we had to get priced into the markets and I come from the standpoint of nothing is ever fully priced until we get it. Um, what was really interesting was the balance sheet runoff discussion. They came in at half what I was expecting. I was expecting them to come in at 95 billion per month. That was the number that was thrown around, but then they come in at 47.5, I believe it was, or 49.5. And I was like, all right, cool. They're doing it at a much lighter pace and they're going to grow it month over month. I imagine from there just to kind of reduce it. One thing that did shock me a bit was I was not expecting them to start in June. I was expecting them to start a little bit later into the year just because we're in an election year and they don't want to, you don't have massive turbulent markets into an election year. But it seems like the Fed just at this point doesn't care. They're like, all right, we're going to stand on this. One thing that I did appreciate, though, was they came in very strong and firm versus like the past few FOMCs that they haven't been as firm. So the markets got clear direction, hence why we had that massive, massive rally, but unfortunately didn't hold into today. Yeah, that was that was crazy yesterday. And then me and Teddy were talking about this before you hopped on about how you you then see all the people that were calling spy bottom and then you see what happened today and it's just like yeah. it's just pr it's just pretty asinine I guess is the word because um this is such a tough market and the people that are like trying to call bottom I just don't understand what the point is if you I, like Ryan I want your opinion on this like I just trade every day as a new day i i i use supply and demand i mark my zones that's it and then whatever interaction i get that's what i play and i know teddy's pretty much the same way um is that how you trade do you trade similar to that where you really just have no bias yep so yeah. every time i've traded with bias i've lost so i go into it with just i just trade the levels that's kind of my thing is just draw the lines trade the levels and take it from there whether it's the upside or downside we can have terrible news and we can still go to the upside and we can have great news and still come to the downside so i do this and with my team i tell them the same thing hey look take all the bias out it's fun to have it's good to hear to know about 
but some stocks will not care about that movement. Sometimes the S&P will reflect downward, sometimes it'll reflect upward, and sometimes it will reflect in line with what's going on. It's so like this morning, we got the news about the EU recession and the UK recession possible that's coming later this year. So the markets reacted in line with that. But sometimes you'll have an article come out like that and no one cares, no one will ever hear about it and SPY will just continue to rally. So the easiest way to be 100% stress-free, not have to read every single freaking article that comes out of Bloomberg and Barron's and the Times, it's just trade the levels. I think that's the best way. And I find like that that removes all the stress, removes all the bias, and I don't have to be up 24-7 reading up everything into the market. Yeah, because, I mean, if you had, after yesterday, if you had long bias into today, I mean, especially if you, like, were overnight in calls, you got destroyed. Yep. Like, bad. So... Yeah, I mean, and like, I don't know if Teddy wants to touch on this, but I'm the same way. I, I, I just literally prep the night before, and then whichever direction we pick is the way I go about things. So, <clears throat> always prep. I prep the morning of, which is pretty much the same as the night before. So, I mean, just before market opens, I make sure I get my key levels in, um, whether it's pre market or from the day before, whether it's from the hourly chart, if there's a key level that I have on there, I just map them out and then I'm just ready to go once once the day hits and once we start seeing action, um, I'm ready to go with those key levels. But I, I'm really not ever a guy to take bias unless like some crazy article comes out that is getting a market reaction like like around market open. Something comes out that I see all over Twitter. That's what I would be like, okay, well, maybe we see some downside because of this, but then I'm still looking for a pattern and some key level breaks to go along with it. Like I'm never like, oh, like Russia this, Russia that, or like the this, this is going to cause the market to go down. Like it's never that. Um, I will say the one thing I will do is like on an FOMC day yesterday, um, I was talking to my group and I was saying, we're expecting a 50, um, hike and if we see a 75 i'd expect tankage if we see a 25 i'd expect tankage probably because it's just unexpected um and if we see a 50 that's honestly the only thing i thought was upside was 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 the 50 because that's what we expect 25 people are like what the fuck man like we we obviously know there's an issue like why are we not doing anything about it 25 is not is not enough 75 it's like oh shit is the issue bigger than we think like what are we not hearing here uh full point would have been off the fucking chain but the 50 was the only upside that I, I said people um, to my to my discord was maybe if 50 happens, that's what people expect. When people get what they expect, usually they're more comfortable. And when they're more comfortable, psychology leads them to be uh, a little more bullish, comfortable, bullish, that kind of thing. Um, so that's the only kind of bias I'll take into F- FOMC is really just like thinking about the psychology behind what the decisions are, what's going to be said, maybe um, unexpected things versus expected things. That's the only thing I'll really take into into those types of meetings, catalysts, into days. But yeah, key levels before the day starts. That's pretty much my bread and butter, which I think you guys you guys probably agree. Key levels, key zones. Um, that's the bread and butter. Yeah, those pre-market levels, uh, a lot of traders don't take those into account, but those yeah. will play really, really well, both to the upside and to the downside. Those support, like, like, especially leading up right into open, like an hour or two into open. Yeah. Those are the ones that I map the day of. The night before, I go to that 30-minute chart, the hour chart, draw my lines, draw my fibs, and just take it from there. And that's, I found that when I, I used to trade with a bunch of indicators on the screen and a bunch of different things going into it and i i, I overcomplicated it sometimes and then as i start as you become a better trader you slowly start to scale all that crap out and you're like oh it's just about the price action and the levels and that's all you really need and that's just where i've had a lot of my a lot of my fun and success there people uh something i've been trying to hammer home too like is 
that little prep the night before or the morning before, like it really does pay off. If you're kind of, if you're kind of scrambling as soon as the bell rings and like you really don't have a plan, <clears throat> even if you're watching things you're comfortable with, but you really don't have a plan or, or anything mapped out, it's, it's really, you know, not beneficial to you, um, in the market. I mean, you need any little edge you can get. So I always suggest, you know, if you can take 10, 15 minutes the night before or, you know, the morning of that, that's really going to help you. Um, Ryan, I had a question about your YouTube cause I, I watch all your YouTube videos. Thank um, you. I appreciate it. Yeah. They're, they're awesome. Um, how long have you been, been doing YouTube now? Uh, so I started in November of 2021. So I started then, um, I honestly, I wanted to start it much earlier, but I was just, uh, through the whole COVID through the whole pandemic situation, I was like, I don't know how this is going to work out, how I'm going to do this. But then I started in November, 2021. I was like, all right, let me just make videos on stocks. And I was just really doing individual stock videos. And then I was like, I want to cover the macro, the macroeconomics of what's going on, all these FOMC, all these events that are coming out, how it could affect the markets and how it could go from there. Because I found like there's so many people online like, all right, Neo is going up 5 million percent. I was like, I don't want to do videos like that. That just doesn't interest me. And it, it garners results, unfortunately, through the YouTube algorithm. But I was like, I just want to do it then. So I just jumped in and started from there. And I just, it's, it's more for fun. Uh, yeah. a lot of fun i wish more people would watch the videos but they're just a lot of fun to do what uh so like i know i like you were saying you do like um the economic events and i know you do like ceo interviews and stuff um what would you, what would you say is the reasoning is it just to you know put out that education or you maybe saw like a need for that in the youtube space Cause there's a bunch, there's a bunch of fluff in terms of like the market, like a lot of like pyramid scheme bullshit, a lot of, you know, most Terrible of it's, yeah, there. there's there, but there are some good ones where people, you know, are talking about different indicators and a whole plethora of different things. But did you feel there's a little like need for the way you structure your videos? Cause I know it's different than most. Yeah, so I would watch a ton of these YouTubers, the Meet Kevins of the world, the, the Graham Stephens, the Andre Jicks, and I was like, this stuff is great, but like, for example, like Meet Kevin puts out at such a high velocity, it overpowers you to be able to watch everything, so you kind of surrender, and you're like, all right, I'm not going to watch anything. Okay. And then Andre comes in where he's got videos which are more evergreen and larger, and I was like, I don't really have the editing skills to get to that capability to do things like that, and then you have Graham, which is, again, very parallel to Andre. And then you've got the individual stock people who talk about it day to day on the penny stock world. So it's like, I need to find a niche in here that's big enough for me to be able to address from an education standpoint. Because what I would find is a lot of people would be surprised every time there was a CPI, every time there was an FOMC, every time there was jobs data that came out. People would be like, I don't understand. Why is this happening? Why, what's going on here? I was like, all right, let me just address this. Let me just figure out how to do this and let me just address this in the best way possible in the shortest format possible. And I get a lot of flack. They're like, your videos are too long. I'm like, they're only 12 minutes. <laughs> but yeah. I get a lot of flack there. But I mean, I try my best to shorten it. But I was like, I the main thing was education. I wanted to get my biggest thing is being able to give back to the fintech community in the best possible way that I can and the education and finance community in the best possible way that I can. But I thought that a combination of macroeconomic videos on market events with interviews that I'd be lucky enough to be able to get with companies that I know that I'm personally invested in or companies that I know uh, retail investors like to hear from. Uh, I thought that'd be a fun, cool little combination. And then um, in throwing in some live streams where I do some Q&A through live stock charting, where I would 
underhandedly try to teach people how to do some technical analysis through the AMC stock or through GameStop when all that was happening. I'd go live and be like, let's do some TA on this. And I try to teach them how to do that stuff. So it's kind of mainly underhanded education. I think uh, I edit these, so I'll, I'll put your YouTube in the description. But honestly, guys, like if you're listening to this, if you like, I know, Ryan, you try to cover all the events that are occurring, um, you know, the week before, a few days before, I would say 95% of the time you're spot on with your predictions, the way you break your videos down. So guys, I highly, highly suggest watching them, honestly, because they're extremely beneficial. Um, and I know you break them down in a way that's easily understandable. Um, so guys, honestly, like the, the link will be in the description. I really suggest checking that out. Or Thank checking you. his that YouTube means a lot channel. Coming from you. Thank you. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, I had another question. So I ask everybody this, but how did you get into like what's your background for for in regards to trading? Like, how'd you get into the market? Sure. Sure. Uh, it's it's an actually a long but short story. So I grew up very poor. Um, uh, my my parents immigrated to this country many years ago uh, and had to essentially restart. And when they restarted, they got to a certain point, they had myself and my little sister. And then coming up, times were tough because where my father worked, he wasn't able to get uh, the promotions needed because of essentially because of his race. They didn't like him there. And he essentially was in constant fire of being get uh, rid of and removed. Eventually, he finally got his accolades 30 years later, unfortunately. But growing up, I knew at a very young age that um, I wanted to be able to make money and I knew that we didn't have money. So, uh, and one thing that my father always instilled into me was investing and the markets. He always told me this from a young age. It was through the IRA. His main thing was the IRA. IRA this, IRA that. And then around 12th grade, when it was my senior year, around 2013, um, I was exposed to this through my economics class where I started learning about the markets and I love them. I didn't have any money to trade. And back then you had to, you had to pay fees to trade and there was commission fees. So I couldn't trade. So I started learning how to paper trade and essentially started trading via paper trading there, um, learning there as much as I could and going through the catacombs of Reddit and uh, YouTube because there wasn't there wasn't a fin to it back then or anything like this. So I started there. And then around 2017, I garnered some money. I started working some internships, saved up some money and started trading through the penny stocks world there. But again, it was through using what I could find on Reddit and DD online through these garbage bio stocks. And then Parallel to that, investing. So my whole thesis was long-term investing and building into buying stocks and investing. And the first company that I invested long-term into was two shares of Twitter at 18 bucks, which I still have to this day. Um, but that's essentially the story there was like, I wanted to be able to have financial freedom because I knew at a certain point that a nine to five would get me money. But if things went to hell, I wanted to have the skills I needed to be able to make money in any economy. So if I was laid off, if I was fired, I could fire up the terminal and make a few bucks to be able to survive at least. Because I think the market has this beautiful thing where it gives you the financial freedom. And people unfortunately misunderstand financial freedom as being a millionaire or a billionaire. That's not it. It gives you the ability to be able to make money at your own accord if you build up, put in the time and get the skill set. And trading is the only thing that I found to date where input of time and work is output of cash and results and rewards. And if people do that, I think that they can be very successful at it. Yeah. I, uh, that, that last part you said about the, you know, the amount of, of work you put in is going to directly correlate with, you know, the results you see, if you're somebody that's just chasing somebody else's alerts, or maybe you made money, you know, you made money off, 
a few Twitter alerts and you're like, oh, this shit's easy. Well, I'm just going to continue to do this. You, you know, you, you snap back to reality real quick once that goes south. And it's that few, it's because it's a small percentage of people that will then actually take the time to educate themselves or seek out information because they kind of see that there is opportunity and it's a, it's a small percentage. And like you said, I completely agree. Like if you dedicate yourself to that and you put the time in, you will see results. And if you feel like it's easy, it's not. And if you feel like you can live off somebody else's alerts, you absolutely cannot. So I I totally agree with you. There's just a talk on that one point that you said there. Twitter is not the place to learn how to trade. It's just not, unfortunately. It's a place to find real traders. And and new traders, unfortunately, do not have the skill set to be able to identify a real trader through Twitter. Because what people see real traders as is, unfortunately, they come into the space and they see people posting Lambos and Rolexes and five-figure wins that end up turning out to be paper trades and things like that. And those aren't trades. And alerts are not the way to learn. Look, you guys put out watch lists to your teams. I put out watch lists to my team. And that's because I want to give them ideas to see and take a look at. But I hate alerts. Alerts is copying someone else's trades. That is not how you learn how to trade. That's not how you make money. You need to put in the time to understand why is this person alerting at this level. Even if you're following someone who alerts, right? Let's say they're successful. Why are they successful? Try to understand and learn that. You need to learn how to be a self-sufficient trader. That's the key here. And unfortunately, you guys have probably seen some of my rants and tirades on Twitter. I sometimes get really, really pissed at lazy traders. And I go off on them. I'm like, it's not that freaking hard. Go and learn how to do this. Spend some time. Invest in yourself. Buy a book. Buy a course. Join a team. Do something where you can learn how to do this. It's And unfortunately, it's because... It's, it seems like this big grand, you see people post like a 10 billion percent gain from Weeble. Hats off to you. I congratulate you for doing that. But I hate when people do that because it just creates this false narrative for new traders because that's just not how exactly. the markets work. Exactly, exactly. I think um, everyone has been seeing those crazy gains because they've actually upticked, I think, within the past weeks and months. I've seen so many... 10,000% Weeble screenshots um, or, you know, like my account's up a million percent in the past month. And I just want to punch all those people in the face because it's like you're teaching everyone the worst strategy possible. Everyone's going to be shooting for a million percent in one month. They're going to think their their $1,000 is going to million percent and then they're going to be done working for the rest of their life. That's not how it's going to fucking work. How it's going to work is if you have $1,000, you're going to have to be fine making $10 a day or however much it's going to be a tiny ass little bit every single day until that account is big enough to where you're going to be making a hundred bucks a day. And then when you're making a hundred bucks a day, maybe you'll make 150 this day and 90 the next day and then 70 the next day and then 200 bucks the next day. That's how it's going to be for a long time. If you can be consistent and then eventually you're going to get to a point where the real financial freedom is the fact that, you know, you can lose any amount of money and still come back because, you know, I could lose my job. I could lose all of this. I could lose my car. I could get evicted from my house. I'm still going to have enough money to be able to, you know, put some money into this and keep making money. I have the skills. The skills is the financial freedom. It's not the money. The skills are the part that you guys need to focus on. Everyone who's listening to this, if you're not focused on the skills, if you're focused on the number amount, if you're focused on the gain percentage amount, um, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong mindset. Your mind is not uh, uh, where it needs to be for the success. The success is I have enough skills to map out my key levels, watch what's happening, and and enter and exit successfully after I determine a plan 
um, based on the key levels, based on what I'm seeing. And if you can't do that, then that's not um, that's not to say you can't do that in the future. So if you if you're not doing it now, work on it. That's the financial freedom that I think all of us are talking about is just the ability to make money from the market. All it is is making money from the market, not the money that you make. That's just the end. That's just the end sight. Um, the end goal. I mean, it's not it's not. Um, the actual financial freedom. I think I think that's really big for people to understand because uh, I see a lot of the same exact thing that you see, Ryan, where the Lambos, the 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 Rolexes, the cars are getting flexed, and people are like, "Financial freedom? That's what it is, right there." Hell no, that's not what it is. That's not financial freedom at all. It's the it's the process. It's the actual skill set that you attain along that journey. That's that cool Kardashian model that they're selling to people where it's like, hey, you can look like us, you can be rich like us, just buy our products. And that's how I'm seeing it on Fintuit. And people think that a lot of this stuff, it, these big discords that are quote unquote free, nothing's free. You're paying for it on the back end. I've seen some of the stuff that they're posting. They're low OI, low volume options that they've bought before. These guys buy into it. That thing pops up. They sell it off. They, those guys get screwed. And that's how you paid for that, ser that service that way. And it's and again, I want to reiterate: if it's not that hard to learn how to trade, it just takes time, patience, and practice. And people often forget is they think that they just got here; they need to be making a thousand dollars a day. You need to take a look at your current day job. Most day jobs in America, on average, are not making a hundred dollars a day. Right? Yeah. If you're making a hundred dollars a day in the market, you're beating out the average American's daily daily income, right? And of course, account for taxes because that'll hit you in the end of the year. But you need to account for this stuff, like. For me personally, I'm a scalp trader, so I'm in and out quickly. If I get 10% on a scalp trade, I'm very happy. If I get 20% on a swing trade, I'm very happy because I started in the markets before 2020 and 2021 where 100% gainers were not normal. That's like, yeah. you have to mm -hmm. understand that humble gains will add up over time. I see you guys posting about it all the time, the whole 1% theory, it makes sense. Take the small wins, be willing to fight for another day. I see so many people, they want that 100% screenshot and the stock will knife and then they'll end up losing a ton of money and they get kicked out of the markets. So many people have quit trading these past few months. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, I well, the last question I had was, what do you think the worst thing about Fintuit is? But I, we, we kind of answered that. Um, I don't know if you want to touch on that anymore, but I just want to say that, the whole like and i me and teddy always talk about this but the whole like oh look at me i ha i drive a really nice expensive car or i have all this money like <clears throat> i think people people have things completely ass backwards where like they think that the the goal in life is let me ha let me make a shit ton of money but they lose you know the fact that like how about you just be like a half decent person like you could have all the money in the world and still be the the nicest most humble person i would rather be broke than be like that so i just think people lose sight of that like we we really don't care how much money you have you know you should be paying it forward you should be trying to help somebody else try to teach somebody the right way instead of flaunting the money you have that pretty much came at the mercy from people that follow you so that's all I'll say on that. But I got something to say on that too. I think I think the biggest thing when it comes to uh, like the the flaunting that we see, which um, we've kind of agreed is one of the worst things on Fintuit, is uh, 
all those people that that are doing that like i don't want to come at you guys or anything because i don't really care about it that much the only reason i care about this is because of the image it instills in beginners minds i really struggle with people pushing um you know big gains big big account percent gains and stuff and then you know the cars and stuff because it really pushes beginners to jump into that that paradigm where this is where I'm going to be, if I YOLO my account into a penny stock and it goes 500%, I'm going to be buying a Lambo or I'm going to be buying this or I'm going to be buying that. That's the only reason I really dislike it. But I think the biggest thing um, with those people, the people who do that, is why are you doing that? Like what is pushing you to post those pictures and you know i see the people the biggest thing nowadays is if anyone gets a hate comment they just post their their ten thousand dollar gain for the day as a as the response in the in the replies why are you doing that the only thing i can think of is because you think that the only way you're going to be happy in life is based on how other people think of you um you know they feel the need to reply with this is how much money i have so that that person they they're thinking oh that person is thinking oh man look how much money they have wow i can't compete with this person um, or the cars, you know, the cars, they want everyone to think there's some cool guy. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's more than that. You got to kind of just look a little bit deeper inside, maybe figure out how do I, you know, take care of myself a bit more? How do I determine how I can make myself happy um, rather than rely on what everyone else thinks of me? Because if you've ever been a person who's relied on what everyone else thinks of you, which I actually have been that way quite a bit, um, you know, like, constantly thinking everyone outside of me is the way that I'm going to be happy is, Oh, them telling me I'm cool is how I'm going to feel cool. Um, it doesn't fucking work. That's the, that's the end result is it doesn't fucking work. So as, as cool as my car might be, and as cool as the pictures I take with my car or whatever might be people telling me that's cool. Isn't going to make me feel cool. The only reason I'm going to feel cool is if I do stuff that I think is cool myself. So if that's being a nice person, that's being a nice person. If that's just like, being a, a person that, you know, is is respectful as being a person who's respectful. If that's, you know, being a certain way, it's being a certain way. You got to just determine what the person you are needs to be. That's a little piece of advice for anyone who's who's listening to this that posts their fucking Lambos and their 500% gains. First off, um, I don't want to be a dick, but you guys can fuck right off a fin to it. And then second off, just just look a little deeper inside maybe and do some do some journaling. Buy yourself a journal. And just figure that shit out because it's it's not a good look long term. Maybe you might be cool right now, but long term you're gonna have to figure it out for real. Yeah. All I gotta say about that. Um, um I like to do this little this little breakup segment where where we go from serious fintwit talk straight into um stuff that doesn't make make anything to do with stocks or stuff that doesn't have to do with stocks. Um so I want to talk about coffee. I don't know if you guys drink coffee all that much. I don't know what you guys oh, yeah. about coffee. Actually, Tony, I know you. You suck know I drink coffee, coffee like it's like it's going out of business. But so exactly. actually, let's let's go to Tony first here. Tony, what is your perfect coffee order? First off, and second off, what's the best coffee chain? My perfect coffee order is as dark as humanly possible. So like as just straight black cold brew. That's what I get no matter where I go. I can't have, I can't do dairy. No, I can't do dairy. I can't do sugar. Um, and my preferred coffee places, uh, I'll probably get shit for this with Starbucks. I just think they're with, for what I get, 
you know, black cold brew, I think that that's the best I've had. So that's what I prefer. Ryan? Um, I'm actually a Starbucks victim as well. There we go. <laughs> um, my go, I, I, look, I've tried them all. I, I'm in New York, so there's a ton of them, right? You've got, they're all over the place. You even have the small boutique coffee shops. But my go-to is really, I do two shots of espresso and a little bit of oat milk on top. I like to keep it bitter. I love the bitter taste, but I like the oat milk taste to it as well. So it kind of mixes it up and it wakes me up fairly quickly. And the, I need to be woken up or I have more days like today where I just sleep through all the alarms. So that's kind of my go-to there with that order. But sometimes I just like your old average cup of uh, cup of black coffee. Just sometimes like midday, yeah, black cup of coffee hits you nice. I think um, I think there's something wrong with me because uh, I forget where I was a few weeks ago and I hadn't had a coffee that morning. Um, and I had the worst headache. It was like two, three You're p.m. Withdrawal, my friend. All the I've coffee addiction. It was. Yeah, it was bad, like really bad. Like I'm like Machine addiction, like baby. My, yeah, it was like migraine bad. I'm like, this is a little ridiculous that I need coffee or caffeine that bad. But All right, your body gets hooked pretty quickly. Oh. Sometimes, some days you might forget to get coffee if it's like a wild age. Like you get a headache. I'm like, oh crap, it's 4 p.m. I got to drink something. Yeah, I'm not gonna be able to fall asleep now. Yep. Yeah. Teddy, you don't Dude, drink I, coffee, do you? I do not. I drink green tea um, in the mornings. That's my only caffeine source because. I had like a caffeine blowout, bro. I don't know how to describe this. I think I told you about this, Sony. Uh, yeah, the other like, day. The other day, I had like a caffeine blowout one day where I drank like, so I used to work overnights at a, a warehouse and I drank three of those bang energy drinks in one night Whoa. and I like legitimate had like a full, full blown like panic attack on my way home because like I was so hyped up on That's the caffeine, caffeine that it like. It like literally like caused me like to have a serious physical and like mental reaction to it for some reason. And then since then, like anytime I drink coffee, I get the shakes in my arms real bad. And I like literally it's so bad I can't even trade. Like I can't move the mouse around enough to trade. So I just don't mess with coffee anymore. Um, at least caffeinated coffee. But I go I go with my girlfriend a lot and I'll I'll do like decaf mochas. I like those a lot. If they got sugar free mochas, I like that a lot more because I don't feel like a lard if I do that. But um, yeah, yeah, decaf mochas, and I think caribou coffee is the best. The problem, I really like caribou. The problem is, there's a Dunkin' Donuts literally like I could walk Dunkin there and is good, man, and for how well, cheap it is. Well, I could walk there in like 15 seconds, but I think their black coffee is so terrible. Yeah, um, it tastes burnt. It, yeah, it's horrible. They don't cycle it out like they're supposed to. Yeah, so like it's convenient, also, but. Like, they taste different every single time I go there. I'll order something off the menu there, and it'll be, like, I'll order, like, some... I, I think the last time I went there, this is a real story. Last time I went there, I ordered a decaf mocha, and it tasted like blueberries. <laughs> I have no idea why. And I, like, I was just... Blueberry syrup. I know. I was like, why does this taste like blueberries? And then I gave it to my girl, and she was like, yeah, this tastes like blueberries. Like, we're not coming back to this Dunkin' again. And I was like, I don't want to go back to any Dunkin' ever again. Yeah. Even though I liked it in college, I used to... We had a Duncan right down the road, and they would do like free coffees based on like who we were playing in football that week or something. And it would be like a certain coffee, and I just go get free coffees all the time. Well, there goes the uh, Dunkin' Donuts sponsorship, guys. They're never. Oh sponsor yeah, I want to. I want a Yeti sponsor sponsorship. That's what I've been Bro, saying. I'm repping. I'm yeah, repping the Yeti. So am I. I I love Yeti. <laughs> Dude, so am I. I could I could go with Yeti. Oh man. Okay. Second question we got. Um, 
Ryan, what's the best TV show of all time? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, off the top of my head, one of the TV shows, one of my favorite TV shows is Suits. Um, it's one of the only shows that I've seen from front to end, which didn't disappoint me at the end. Um, I love Game of Thrones, obviously. I love the Breaking Bad, but I got to say Suits is my favorite one from start to finish. I just enjoyed it way too much, and I've watched it over and over again, and it still holds up. I've never, I've never seen that. Yeah. yeah, it's on Amazon. It's about it's about like this law firm in New York and all the trials and tribulations they go through. It really starts out with them hiring this fraud kid who's not a lawyer uh, to be a lawyer, and then that kind of blows up in their face. But it's a really, really fun to watch show and you pick you actually they consulted with a bunch of lawyers so you learn a lot of legalese stuff throughout the whole process as well that's cool yeah game of thrones was such a letdown very big letdown at the end very big is it still your favorite show tony is it still my favorite show i mean what other shows do i really like like i liked breaking bad ozark's a really good one i don't know if you guys have seen ozark um but I'm like big into you know this Teddy. I'm like a I'm like big into horror stuff. So like, The Haunting of Hill House, um, on Netflix was very good. Um, Midnight Mass was very very good. So that's the kind of stuff I like. But yeah, Game of Thrones probably. I mean, The Office is really good. Office. The Office is great. Yeah. Freaking hell, Tony! I was about to. I thought I was gonna throw you guys a curveball. Oh office. no, dude! You could watch the <laughs> Office. Were, yeah, no. Dude, Office is Office kept Netflix in business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now Netflix is tanking. What the fuck? <laughs> but I would definitely say like all the normal ones, like Breaking Bad, um, the Game of Thrones. Like those are great and stuff. The Office. Those are probably like my top three. Um, seriously, and then Ozark would be the fourth, and then I think for two that like aren't like commonly known i really liked um oh mother what's the one teddy you ever florida what? you ever watched chernobyl the one i told you to watch have you guys seen that that was a very good i one. haven't seen it I yet. Like that a it's lot. like a docuseries on hbo oh my god it's very good very well shot and directed all right all right ryan so we got to give the viewers what they want your main strategy when it comes to trading how do you execute it um and I guess just the basics of it. Sure. Um, my basic go-to is like we discussed a little bit earlier. Is I like to map out the key levels, both support and resistance. And then the day off, I'll add my pre-market support and resistance levels. On top of that, I like to include the nine exponential moving average and the VWAP, your volume weighted average price. Um, I like to include both of those into my setup. And realistically, I just take the levels from there. If we break above, I look for confirmation candle and then I'll take calls break down below i'll look for confirmation candle and take puts that's really how i do it and i'm very i'm in and out very quickly within a matter of maybe a minute or two if the longest one will be like 10 15 minutes but i'm in and out very very quickly in this market previously to this i was a swing trader i would take swings when the market allowed me to but since november i had to adapt to the markets and become a scalp trader and get in and out very quickly i do miss swing trading if i do often get the chance to i will swing being uh mainly more to the downside um because of how turbulent the markets have been but that's really my go-to is there and i like to use the three minute chart and then i'll look for longer ranges of movement on the 30 minute and one minute one hour chart excuse me so essentially the three minute chart accompanied by a longer view of what's going on on the 30 minute slash one hour chart ryan i had a question quick i know teddy has a couple more but um 
people in my Discord wanted me to ask you this, and I don't know if you have an answer or not, but um, they wanted me to ask you because I know you play options, and I know you you're well educated on options. Um, sure. They want any advice on on stop loss placement for options because it's it's kind of like a gray. It's uh, you know, everybody's answer is going to be different. Very, very, yeah. So there's two there's two things that I say to that one is go with what you're willing to lose just like every single trade for me personally with options full transparency is between 25 to 30 percent that's just how i roll with it because if i'm scalp trading right my options position is much smaller um so if i lose 30 percent on that trade i'm okay with that but the best thing i like to do especially if i'm doing a swing trade is i'll use an options calculator figure out what that support level break uh, stop loss would be in terms of the options contract price and then i will set that to be the stop loss but at the end of the day just like with every other type of trading uh, options trading to me is i treat it equivocally as mainly as other forms of trading um put a stop loss at what you're willing to afford to lose and don't move that freaking stop loss um don't move it i know some people will set it at 15 then drag it down to 20 and then to 25 and then you're down 70 percent and you're praying at that point, you're making deals with the devil, trying to get that thing to reverse. It just does not reverse. So just pick a number and stay firmly with that number. But there's no real mathematical equation that I use. I personally just stick to 25 to 30% on scalp trades and on swing trades, uh, 10 to 15%. Really depends on my option size positioning and it's really different for every single one. That's yeah, a really good answer. I would say, um, I think, I think, your 25% is is right on the mark when it comes to um, anyone who needs a specific number to frame it out. It kind of depends trader to trader if you're going mental versus hard stop. And people can debate this, I mean, all day, all year long. I think hard stop is the best unless you're a uh, like very, very experienced trader with a really, really specific plan that requires a mental stop. Uh, with that said, I use mental stops in probably about a third of my trades like occasionally i'll use a mental stop it depends on what plan i'm implementing into the trade a lot of times i have the hard stop um so this is kind of going to be a, a, a double answer from me which i know the question wasn't even pointed towards me but i'm going to answer it anyway you know um i just like to talk i like to hear my voice i guess um so i want to hear the answer <laughs> So the 25%, I think, is really, really solid. Mine is about 20 to 25, just depending on where I'm feeling that day based on you know how I've performed that day trading. 20 to 25% hard stop on all positions um, unless, and this is the only, these are about one third of my trades, as I said, unless my trade is one where I'm, I'm calculating the risk and reward beforehand, and I have an exact point that I know my risk will be due for me to cut at. So say the stock is is $100 and I'm willing to risk down to 99 on the underlying stock and I think my reward is up to 104 on the day. So you know that's that's 100 is where I'm buying in, 104 is where I think my reward is and 99 is where I think my my risk is. Um, I'll, I'll mental stop it as in if it goes below 99 and then confirms, that'll be my mental stop. And usually it's not, it usually ends up being right around 15 to 20% on the options is where that stop loss ends up. Um, but those are the only times I'll use the mental stop loss uh, when it comes to those trades is when the risk reward is mapped out in my head and I know the level on the underlying. And then here's the other side of that answer is if you're in the profit on a stock, I always have a stop loss at even. Um, 
I know that people people will I know a lot of people actually that that don't like to go through the logistics of having a stop loss and then having to cancel it before they take profit again. But I think it's imperative based on the amount of times I've had a big knife in a one minute candle or something that that's caused me to be down eight percent. Then after I was already up seven percent time, I take profit at, you know, seven, ten percent. And then all of a sudden knives and I'm down seven, ten percent. And then my trade is completely even. I didn't make any money. If I have a stop loss at even, um, I make 5% and then my stop loss that even hits, I still made 2.5% and I didn't have to really worry too much about it. I make 10% stop loss that even hits. Usually it's half and half. Usually I have half that I sell on the first leg and then half will be on my stop loss. Um, it just works for me. And I always, I always tell people maybe give it a shot, see if it works for you that way. Um, but that's my idea on stop losses with options. Tony, what do you think? I have a uh, much different answer. Well, it's not different, it but... It's, um, I don't use a hard stop. Um, it's a very tough thing because, uh, I basically trade only using supply and demand. Um, so like if I enter, like today I took, uh, spy puts, it broke through a demand zone and it back tested that zone and started to reject the zone. Well, I entered within that zone. I just know my stop loss is above that zone and vice versa. Um, if I'm going long out of a zone or through supply, I know under that zone's my stop loss. Um, but I also know that I'm going to be strict with that. I know if it breaks that or goes against me, I will exit that position. So I never suggest using a mental stop for people for the reasons that Ryan and Teddy just mentioned. You know, if you don't respect that, and it really starts to go against you, you could be down 50% in a blink of an eye. And then, you know, the whole, well, I'm down 50%, I might as well hold this, starts to set in. Then you're down 80%. Then you blew your account up over just, you know, not setting a hard stop or not following through with the mental stop that you said you would take. So, but again, it's much different. For somebody that has experience, you can use a mental stop for a new trader, I would always, always suggest using a hard stop. And I always say around that like 15, 20% is a, is a very good area for that. 100% agree that beginner traders should use a hard stop. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's the only time I, like I've talked to a few people because I've had a few people in my Discord that have like, in my mind, there's kind of levels to like the, your trading journey. You start, you know, beginner and then you slowly just progress as everything does. Um, I've had conversations with people who I've seen progress and I've had like hard conversations where I've said, I don't think you're ready for a for a mental stop because I've seen you, you know, lack in the discipline area a few times. I've had like honest conversations and I've also had conversations with people where I'm like, I think you are ready. I think you've done a great job. Um, it's all about the discipline. If you can be disciplined enough to know your mental stop loss and just know, okay, if this confirms over or below this level, then I have to cut. And then you actually follow that, then mental stop could be perfect for you. But if you're one of the people that likes to just maybe sometimes, you know, venture away from that mental stop and, oh, okay, well now I'm going to change it to this. And well, now I'm going to, you know, do this and this, and maybe it, maybe it didn't quite confirm enough for me. Maybe I can just hold on or, or maybe I'm down too much. Like Tony was saying, and it just doesn't matter anymore. Um, you're not ready for a mental stop. You need to have a hard stop in those situations. Um, that hard stop will sometimes save your life. Even oh, like a mental yeah. stop, you still have to click that button. And by the time you click that button, you could be down another 5-7%. People, yeah, exactly. people run into issues too where they, they have used a hard stop and 
their stop-loss placement was probably in the wrong spot to begin with. They get stopped out. Technically, the setup's still there, and then it starts to bounce, let's say, and you know, you get in that mindset, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to use a hard stop this time because the last five times I did, I got stopped out and it reversed. You need to make sure that you are strict with that and no matter what happens, you're okay with the outcome. So review your trades. If that's happened to you, just review yep. your trades. Like I still, to this day, every single night, review my trades because I will come back and I'll be like, oh, I should have seen this trend line that was forming here. How did I miss that? I'm an idiot. So review your trades and then you'll see why that hard stop didn't make sense and you'll be able to fine tune it and use an options calculator. That thing is not 100% perfect, but it will help you figure out levels to set your stop losses at. Yep. 100% agree. 100% agree. So Ryan, I know we talked a bit. You said you like to be, you used to like uh, swing trading, as did I. I still love swing trading, but you know, like you, I can't do it as much nowadays. So it kind of sucks. I, I've been trying here and there, you know, trying to swing to see if maybe the market is going to give it to us, and then trying one here, and it just hasn't quite been working. But what do you, what do you have as in long term, long term holds, long term positions? If you don't have any like long term watches, I guess that you you really enjoy, maybe from this market downturn we're going to get that you're willing to, uh, you know, plant a, a chunk of ch- cash in for the next five ten years. Sure, uh, I de- my most of my money is in my long term account. I don't let my trading account get more than twenty five k. Whenever it gets over there, I will wait like a week or two and then pull funds out. That's also so I can position size myself comfortably. I don't want to risk fifty grand on a trade. I just I'm not comfortable doing that just because of my background and how I grew up having nothing. So to me, it's like I have to move that money somewhere a little bit more secure. Um, so I like my long term. Some of my long term holds are. They might sound boring, but uh, Apple, Tesla, uh, Google's a new position that I've started building out, AMD, NVIDIA, uh, TSM, Marathon Digital, which is my favorite Bitcoin miner, uh, Hot Mining is another one. Uh, A new one that I'm looking to start a position in that I'm doing a lot of research on, and before I start a position, I do about six to seven weeks of research is uh, Ford Motors. That's one that I'm reading. It's a really (laughs) good one. We love Ford. Let's go. We love Ford on this podcast. We've been talking about that. I get so so much mixed reactions about Ford from people that I'm like, I'm like, should I say it? I don't want to derail. No, we love Ford. Yes, I'm starting to like Ford a lot um, and reading up on them and their expansion and growth just because they have so much of the infrastructure needed to convert. Um, the biggest thing that really I see them suffering from, one thing that worried me a bit was they lost a bit of market share last quarter. So that worried me a little bit. And the biggest thing is they need to build better relationships with their um, providers of their basic materials for their batteries. So that's kind of the stuff that I'm reading up on. And I'm not a subject matter expert on Ford by any means. I'm still very brand new into learning from them. But they're the only other EV other than Teslas that I'm seeing on the road. I'm seeing the Broncos out there. I'm mm-hmm. seeing a few Lightnings out there. And I really, really like what they're doing. And they're Ford. They're freaking Ford. They're yeah, America's they're not going anywhere. Original car. Yeah, they're not yeah. going anywhere. And they still have the combustion, the ice engine cars coming out as well. So that's one that I'm watching to build a position in. And uh, that's why I love I love red markets because I can trade puts and I can buy my favorite stocks yep. long term and come back into it because it's just kind of how I operate. So I guess the answer there would be Ford is a new one that I'm looking up to park some cash into. I love AMD too. I mean, I've been shorting it for months, but like you were just saying, honestly, like at some point soon, I believe it's going to be time to, for me at least, to start a long position in that. So yeah, I, I love AMD uh, under 100. SoFi, I like SoFi a lot. Yeah. 
I've been trying to keep myself at bay from adding my forward position. I'm waiting for a bit more market downside possibly um, for the rest of the year. And then I'm going to be longing the crap out of Ford. I have a theory though. <laughs> this is, I don't know if you guys are going to agree. So don't like be honest with me. I think if Ford updated their logo, their sales could go through the fucking roof. I think they have the worst logo on the market. Oh, I, don't I know really do. That. As a lot of market recognition. So you, if you, if you change that, you're going to lose. Remember, their core consumer is the same guy whose father and grandfather and great-grandfather yeah. have been buying Fords. That is true. I just, I mean, I've just felt like for so long that if they went more of the direction of the Bronco where, like, they have the cool front side logo, they'd be more successful. A lot of their but trucks like, also, are... Also, they're already so successful. So yeah. it's like, why would they Why would they need to change it? A lot of their newer trucks have that, too, that the Broncos have. I've seen... Yeah, like the Raptor and the... Raptors the and some of the I've other seen, ones, yeah. I've seen some Mavericks near me, and those things are actually pretty decent-looking little truck. Like, I expected them to kind of be kind of little dorky, little dinky things, but they're actually pretty good-looking. I don't mind yeah. them. I think they're going to go pretty crazy within... Uh, five ten years i think people are going to be surprised at how much they're able to push out when they actually begin fully uh focusing on the ev side of things and also they're just a pretty well maintained company as well i mean you have to be as fucking i, I have a i have a question actually what would so do you have any maybe overhyped long-term holds that people you know bring up all the time they're like oh i'm you know I love this long term, but are there any that you think that are like, uh, you just don't see it? You just don't. That under- I own as well? Or no, no not that you own, just in general. Just in general that you see people talk about. Hmm. For me, it's question. for me, it was like Fisker months oh, ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get so much crap. But Fisker was, Fisker was the big one. I loved trading it during the SPAC time. It was very lucrative. It was a fun trade. Um, Fisker comes to mind. That one's a, a very overhyped because I, I feel like that they've they've they're charging way too little for the car, which makes their their profit margin razor thin. If even they can even get there, so I, that's one there. Another one is Lucid. I feel like Lucid yeah, is a startup. Lucid's a startup, and you need to comp them to what Tesla was when they first started. If you want to give them a proper valuation, I think they're overvalued. The cars are beautiful. The company's um, management is great. I love those guys. Peter Rollinson's a brilliant, brilliant CEO. He's doing a great job, but I think it's overhyped. Calling it the next Tesla is not fair. I think there's no need to be the next Tesla. You need to gain market share, and in order to gain market share, you need an affordable vehicle, and they're not there yet. They're still in the luxury brands, so they're really competing with the BMWs, the Mercedes, the Audis of the world, and that's where they really need to sit. I think Lucid is super overhyped. Fisker, super overhyped. Um, Galactic, SPCE, Galactic's space company. I think the whole space sector is extremely, extremely early. Um, yeah, that those that whole sector is just super yeah. overhyped. I think, too, another good thing that I always thought was like, you know, people would get so hyped up about it, but they would never, absolutely never hold any kind of gains is the weed sector. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Like, they just will not sustain any sort of gains um so that's when i stay away from too it's fun to trade but holding them long term i mean i i swung trade acb very early on into the pandemic into it it was very lucrative um but it's just it's a high cash intensity business and it's very 
and, and most of these companies that we're trading are almost all of them if they're, if they're not on the otc they're in canada and it's just it's just too risky it's just yeah. i don't think the government's there yet to fully allow these companies to trade when you can't use a bank as a dispensary it just doesn't make sense to me we were talking before you got on um i think in the short term so i think i think i should i should kind of phrase this differently i think similar to ford there will be a better buying opportunity on tesla i think tesla long term is a great company and i think long term there's a lot for it to do and grow and you know stock price grow but i think short term right now is not the right time to buy because i think they're they're a bit um how do i describe this their ratio um numbers to market cap is a bit off for me uh and i think maybe within the next year you're going to get a much better opportunity and then the other name i have that comes to mind well actually i have two names that come to mind um i think moderna is a terrible company long term absolute shit show of a company and then i think the uh, the the Chinese retail names like Baba. Uh, I know that that's a really really common name for long term accounts. Well, you don't like Wish. And it's... <laughs> oh yeah, we forgot about Wish. True. Yeah, Wish. What the hell? Wish M A K D or A H T, the hotel chain in the middle of COVID. Yeah, I shorted AHT through that entire swing trade, and I've never felt like I had a bigger AHT. That was probably the that was probably the most frustrating thing to watch play out. Oh man. The, the hotel chain, yeah, during oh, COVID. The amount Stocks of hope split. that these guys are able to sell retail traders in hopes oh. of making money through these random companies that, like, I'm like, what? Yeah. And and now apparently NAKD makes EV vehicles and they've changed the ticker symbols. So I'm like, what the heck is going on? SNDL, yeah. yeah it's... If, if I've told everyone, if you can go on like the monthly and the chart is just this. And you need to you need to run away. And if they've changed their business model, you need to run away. Like, yep. like I remember it was like names like DPW, like Bitcoin got really hot. And mm-hmm. oh, we're a Bitcoin miner. And then yeah, everyone was mining doing... Bitcoin. Yep. Yeah. All and then NFTs came around, and everyone wanted to become an NFT name, and they, all yep. those companies ran. Tcat. Write WP. down those names that are like jumping from sector to sector, and you need to just remember never swing trade a name that goes sector to sector to sector to sector or jan jan was a uh, garbage disposal industry and now it's bio we used to trade jan all the time (laughs) we still love that name old janny jan yeah it's just such a low float that it just pops so much for us to just get in get out get in get out love our love our baby jan all right ryan it's time for uh for the last little fun section of the uh the episode where we just do this quick little little i guess um sprint we're just going to call it the sprint for this episode where we go through a bunch of little questions and we just get your answers and we we kind of talk about them so first off what's your favorite food oh that's a that's a toughie um favorite food i love tex-mex i have to go tex-mex now like right now it fluctuates right it's from time to time but tex-mex is my go-to uh, you have so many junkie. you have so many options where you're at yeah yeah <laughs> Xmax is good. I can I can go for some like Friday night, just head out and get some something around the corner. Oh my god! Oh, I've seen the tweets, man. I've seen the. Oh tweets. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I got some some crazy preferences. I guess according to other people, you know, my pizza is not the same as New York's. Those, you might have us there. Yeah, your uh, gas station um, stuff. 
Hey, we don't got to get into it, Tony. You don't oh, have to expose whatever. me. I don't want to bring you it up. Ex- I don't want to bring oh, it up. Whatever. Yeah, you don't have I've to expose those. me on the air like that, Tony. What the heck? <laughs> My bad. All right. Favorite drink, Ryan? Uh, I don't drink alcohol, but I'd say my favorite drink would have to be like coffee. Coffee's my favorite one. Same. Good choice. Coffee's coffee's fire. I have to like I feel like not enough people appreciate actual just like the taste of coffee. Like just like actual black coffee. Everyone's always like just put so much shit, shit into it, yeah. And yeah, turning into I mean, like some... this diabetes concoction. That's yeah. Yeah. Normal coffee, you like taste good. If you like, I mean, obviously, if you've been conditioned to like the like sugary shit, it takes you like a month or two. But once you actually like begin to drink coffee, that shit tastes good. Like it is really good. Yeah. All right, your favorite place. In terms of like location or like. Yeah, location, just anywhere. I love New York. <laughs> Does that count? I go with New York. Only are you in New York, Ryan? Are you like in the city? <laughs> like, right? no, I'm actually outside of the city in Westchester. Okay. Oh, don't come stalk me. <laughs> Not you. You guys are what, wait us. West. <laughs> wait Westchester because there's a Westchester in Pennsylvania where I'm at. Is it Westchester? It's not Westchester. No, no, no Westchester in New York. It's okay. like right outside of the city. Okay. I like guess stones throw out. I'm gonna leave leave your place tomorrow, and there's gonna be a bunch of people with like big hats reading newspapers outside, just <laughs> watching you. <laughs> are you Ryan? <laughs> Thank you. I've never run into anyone in in the wild, and I work very close to the financial districts. Which is funny. I've never run into any of these people. Crazy. You got a favorite trading ticker? I feel like I'm gonna uh, know the answer. It's either Apple or Spy. Those are the two go tos. I was gonna say Apple. I figured you'd probably yeah. like the most. I've been a junkie for Apple for the past few weeks. <laughs> yeah, Apple's it's a great. good ticker. I love it. I love trading that. I see the I see the guitars behind you. You got a favorite band? Uh, favorite band? They're no longer together, but they're still my favorite band. Uh, there for tomorrow. Very old school band from back when I was in high school. Uh, they're just my favorite ones to this day. Still can't find a replacement. Uh, Never heard of them. Yeah, yeah very very small, very small underground. What's it called again? What's the name? There uh, for there tomorrow? for tomorrow. Yep. All right, I'll check them out. All right, and then favorite car if you had to choose one. Favorite car. Um, I love the Model S. <laughs> I'm gonna get slack for that, but I love yeah, the Model, Model S's S. are nice. Yeah, yeah, I love the Model S. I like a Model S too. All right. Yeah. Last thing we got to talk about today. So I've been I've been kind of thinking. I had a dream about this about three days ago. How far is the VR and Meta gonna go? And Ryan, you sound like you might be a little more like knowledgeable on on these kind of uh, trends than I might be because when it came to Bitcoin, I was I was real like just not really. I'm not knowledgeable about Bitcoin. I'm not knowledgeable about Meta that kind of stuff. How far do you guys think this could go? Like, could it get to a point where people just sit in their chair all day? Okay, so this is a very good question, interesting question. So I'll, I'll take it with the standpoint of uh, we had Skype for about 10 years we had zoom for a little less than that and it took a pandemic to get people to use it um so mm. i don't know how far vr and the metaverse will go to for the day-to-day user but i think from a gaming standpoint it will go very far and i think that's the niche they should focus on rather than the whole metaverse of people getting together and interacting because it's going to take a lot to get people to do that plus there's a cost barrier which are these Oculus headsets that cost 300 to $400. So you still have that barrier to entry cost as well. So I don't think it goes far in the short term, maybe in the long term. Um, I think maybe in the long term, but mainly towards the gaming sector. I think that's where it really flourishes. 
I just struggle to see because I know that a lot of people have been talking about it replacing like activities and stuff like like going to the bar with friends and stuff. I'm like, how can you replicate that? Like, how can you and your friend just get on there, hop on there and be like, yo, let's go to the bar on here and then just like be in some like place that isn't actually in a bar and you're not actually like hanging out with friends, playing darts and shit. I just don't, I guess I can see, um, I've seen some other takes where it's like the, the meta of some sort, like will be valuable based on like when everything is taken up on earth, like the, the, resources are all like kind of finite on earth when that all goes then meta might be valuable but it's just my head can't even wrap around it. Yeah. like my head does not even like get there yeah it's Tony? it's i don't know it's weird um i think it's going to be great for things like a concert um i saw dana white was talking about hosting ufc events th- through the metaverse where you can put your oculus on walk around the event and stuff like that. I think stuff like that, like going to like a football game, I think they'll find some way to do stuff like that, like events. Cool angle. And I think that's like that would be pretty cool. Um, but in terms of how long it'll take to catch on, I, I have no good answer for that. I mean, I don't know. I'm a believer though that it's going to like be an established and popular thing at some point but i it's hard to say when yeah speaking of the events based thing during the pandemic i was working with one of these comedians who's like really trying to get the live show aspect because zoom doesn't work because you can't get the reaction of the people and we were trying to figure out a way to do it through vr and it was so hard to get the comedian immersed into the vr space and then get the viewer immersed into the vr space and get the relay efficiency going i think there's a lot of technology that could be there but i think events based is also a very cool one maybe you could put on your oculus and you could see a snoop dogg concert yeah you would be able to go to i think that'll be fun that'll as be well. but then isn't that just like watching a very expensive youtube video yeah but... they're gonna have to find a way to make it appealing